Welcome to the Fintech Times News and Views podcast. Established in 2016, the Fintech Times is a global multimedia news outlet centered around the world's first leading fintech newspaper. We report on the latest and brightest ideas from the fintech world. Follow the conversation using hashtag TFD News and Views and follow us at, at the Fintech Times. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Fintech Times News and Views podcast. Happy New Year! Uh, we have taken a little break over the Christmas period. Uh, but we're back and better than ever in 2024 with all new fintech news and more importantly, fintech views. Uh, so I'm joined as ever by Tom and Francis. How are you guys doing today? You'll have to forgive me. I have a dreadful cold, so I do sound, I don't know if it's like husky or just croaky, but it's not great. But how are you guys doing? Yeah, it's been uh, it's really good. We, we've, we were just saying we've uh, had a long break from the podcast. So uh, I completely hoping that we're going to be back with a bang to start the new year and uh, you can be forgiven for the cold because we were also saying January has just been absolutely freezing so we're, we're just surviving at the moment until it starts it, heating up again. It's cold and miserable and just a terrible time. Uh, but Francis how are you doing? See I'm going to already well happy new year first and foremost and I'm already going to play devil's advocate here because you know it's just what I do best and that is that winter I love winter so although I am freezing and I'm not exactly that fond of being as cold as I am. I do really like the winter, so I am enjoying it. I like winter, but I think it's because once Christmas is out of the way, it's like you've lost all that nice fun, and so now it's just cold. I think that's the problem. Winter's better before Christmas. Yeah, I do see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. But anyway, the weather aside, we are obviously going to be talking about some fintech, and I feel like, you know, it's been a a, a, a bit of a slow time for fintech news just because of the time of year. But we have some cool stories today. Uh, So Tom, what have you brought to the table today? So this week, I'm going to be talking about how HMRC is readying itself to intensify its tax crackdown on cryptocurrency sellers and holders. Sounds good. And Francis, what are you talking about today? Today, I'm going to be talking about a collaboration to create a new BNPL ecosystem for merchants between, well, the collaboration is between Paymob and Tomorrow to bring a payments gateway. And yeah. I think it would be an interesting conversation. Awesome. And today I'm going to be talking about how only 13% of startups seek loans from banks, uh, with the majority relying on personal finances, which is some new research. Uh, So I am going to be mean and I'm going to pick Tom to go first, just because I think I just could just because just because I have that power. So Tom, take it away. Fantastic. So, yeah, as I said, um, we're talking about HMRC's new tax intensification Uh, on rules about cryptocurrency. So recently, uh, you might have seen some coverage in the mainstream media about how HMRC has new efforts to clamp down on tax avoidance by forcing online sellers that are using the likes of eBay, Depop and Vinted, among many others, um, to file a self-assessment tax return at the end of the financial year. Uh, and this basically comes after the UK signed up to the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, or OECD, bringing in these new tax rules. Um, and there's also been a lot of attention about how the UK is now able to get information about the sellers from these digital platforms directly, so they can see exactly how much people are making off their, maybe it's their side hustles or a little small businesses um, that in the past have been overlooked because they don't have this information. So if people haven't been completely upfront about how much tax they owe, they've basically gotten away with it. Or you know, And because of this, many people are unaware. So there's been a lot of uh, coverage in the mainstream media about you know, making sure people are aware of this tax. 
if they've got like a little side hustle, they're selling things online. Um, but one area that's been largely overlooked in this conversation is the taxation on crypto. Uh, and the reason I'm talking about this is because recently the H HMRC sent out 8,329 uh, nudge letters, basically, uh, to any individuals that are su suspected of owing capital gains tax on their cryptocurrency assets. Uh, and that's according to the national accounting firm UHY Hacker Young. And I thought I'd bring this to light because many crypto investors are not aware that they owe capital gains tax following the sale of their digital assets, uh, but they could even owe income tax on their holdings if HMRC deems them to be crypto traders. And traders could be subject to income tax if they mine cryptocurrency, if they gain interest from staking their crypto, or if they regularly receive crypto from airdrops or trade significant amounts of it regularly. So while HMRC is showing some level of understanding in the short term through its voluntary disclosure mechanism, Hacker Young is basically explaining that it's unlikely to be tolerant for so long and that now is the time for investors to really be fully aware of what tax they owe um, and how much they need to pay or they could face heavy penalties on top of the tax they already owe in the future. So I thought this was just important to talk about because if you are a serious crypto investor or trader, this is something that you need to look into. Obviously, if you hold smaller amounts and you don't tend to touch or earn anything on your crypto, then you most likely don't need to worry about it, but it can't hurt to check uh, just in case. Uh, and with that in mind, I basically want to ask both of you guys what your take on this is. Does this crypto tax surprise you? Is it something you're aware of in the past? And do you think that this coming to light and, and the government having even more information about how much money you're making from crypto make crypto investing even less enticing for uk investors francis what do you think it's difficult to say really because on the one hand it is it's kind of i remember when when we found out about this news you and i were saying that typically you always think that crypto is for for better or for worse almost outside of the law as we know it because of it, it's, it's decentralized nature you always think that perhaps the rules of normal finance and sort of the normal day-to-day -day don't apply to it. So in that regard, I think if, again, for better or for worse, if you're looking at it from that point of view, you're probably quite annoyed at the fact that there is now a tax. And to be honest, I think whichever way you look at it, you're annoyed at that, that there's tax on it because, let's be honest, I don't think anyone really likes paying tax. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it's it's almost a, a, a sign of the times, I think, especially... I know this happened before the Bitcoin ETF approval, but essentially that has just, and that is obviously in, in the US as well, I might add, and obviously I know this is talking about the UK, but the general sort of global attitude to crypto has sort of been, you know, it is more accepted now. It isn't this sort of, this behind the doors type of transaction. It is, it's more legitimate now. And there is that, just that growing attitude of acceptance. And with all that in mind, it, it doesn't really surprise me that there is now this mainstream tax that people need to be aware of. And I'd, it'll be interesting to see how it how it develops if people do become more aware of it, if that puts people off from uh, getting involved in crypto or not. But it's, it's definitely a, an interesting change in the space for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one area that obviously people always talk about being so complex and, and difficult to understand is, you know, the different areas of tax that you need to be aware of, the different rules for different 
areas that we might you might be making money from uh, and this is just kind of another thing to to throw into the ring um that investors might need to be aware of um when they're filing their, their self-assessment tax returns and yeah I, I i agree with you i think it's just a, a show that of the times you know the government's getting more and more information from these digital platforms that previously wasn't able to get a hold of uh and i think that could mean that a lot of people who were just unaware of, of this sort of taxation could be caught out and then receive big big penalties in the next you know year or two so uh yeah i i think like you said as well it could make crypto a bit less enticing because like you said it's often viewed at least in the past as a, a get rich quick kind of scheme you know like if you get lucky you pick the right crypto you could make a lot of money on it if people are thinking oh if i make over two grand now on my crypto i'm going to be taxed on it you could end up losing you know obviously at the moment it's actually quite hard to make a profit from crypto but if you are one of the lucky people that is able to do that you could see yourself paying a lot of money in tax on that and, and for me i think that does make it a little less enticing but yeah I, I think it's an interesting area and something that people obviously need to be aware of if they're engaging in the space uh, or even if they're just selling things online like but secondhand clothes and things like that on uh like the likes of ebay and depop but uh polly just, what, what, go on. just quickly on that i was going to say it just is we always talk about barriers of acceptance and almost i don't want to say necessarily financial inclusion here because it i don't think it necessarily fits under that same umbrella but it definitely does create this barrier to to accessibility in the, in the sense not that it's difficult more difficult to but it just makes people less likely to want to do it and i think that's definitely something when you're trying to get as many people aware of of things like crypto or or like side hustles, I mean, we we've spoken about how payments in side hustles have developed, and we spoke about it to a lot last year. But I just think it's, it's it has just sort of created a, a negative sort of sphere around just crypto and side hustles in general. Just anything that now has this obvious tax over the top of it just makes it a lot less enticing. But anyway, sorry, yeah, go on, Polly. Just wanted to add that in. <laughs> No, I uh, yeah, I agree with you, Francis. And I think if you'll indulge me there, my father gives me, you know, advice as, as dads do often. And the one thing that always sticks out to me is that you never mess around with the tax man. The tax man will always come and get what he wants or they want, I should say. Um, and so I think it is something that's obviously very serious and that can come with a lot of penalties, which I think a lot of people aren't necessarily sure of and also I think people don't know as you say like it's you people don't know a lot about tax I feel for something that is so serious a consequence like you can end up with like a lot of um fines or like even in certain instances you can end up with like prison time if you do your taxes wrong there is also just so much I don't even know what the right word is but there's just a lack of understanding I feel from the general public about tax and like how to pay your tax and what needs to pay tax and uh, as someone who has literally just submitted their tax return um I still don't even know what I'm doing and you'd think I would have like a little bit more of of an idea obviously doing the fintech job and kind of being in this space ever so slightly that I would at least have some idea about tax but I don't I have no idea so god knows if I've submitted it right and that's the kind of thing you kind of roll the dice a lot on the tax and especially with um PAYE where your tax is paid like automatically you then don't think about what you have to pay tax on otherwise like if you sell things 
you know, if you, I don't know, if you make stuff and sell it, that is something that you still have to pay tax on. But I think you just forget about that because it's not kind of in your remit. And so I think HMRC cracking down on like the vintage and the depops and that sort of thing, that's going to be a very big deal because a lot of people don't know that that's a thing. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't be paying tax on things they sell on Vintage or Depop or any other like reselling sites. But I think it definitely feels like they're the wrong people to go after in terms of people not paying tax. But that's a conversation for another time. Um, in terms of like the crypto thing, I definitely think it's going to put people off. I think that's just a, a given. And as someone who, you know, obviously I've said a lot, a lot before that I'm not a crypto person in any way. But knowing that I now will have may have to pay tax on things and try and decipher that, which I think crypto is already very difficult for me to decipher anyway, personally, to then now have to decipher being taxed on cryptocurrency. I think that just immediately puts me off and makes me not want to do it. I don't think it's it's not a case that it shouldn't be done. Like, I guess if they have made this decision to like have this crackdown on crypto and, you know, evaluate people that need to owe tax like fair enough if that's what they want to do fair enough but there does need to be something in place I think to help people because I think the people that are going to get burned by this are just like your regular average Joes who just don't really quite understand who haven't really been told don't know and they're the ones that are going to get hit with these like big fines or these big consequences just because things aren't very clear and I think if there's one thing in this world that isn't very clear it is how to pay your tax or like what tax you need to pay. So I would be very concerned going through. And I think a lot of people will be needing to like seek professional advice, which then it comes with its own expense. Like you can't just speak to accountants for free. I think most of the time anyway. So yeah, it's going to be, it's an interesting penalty to put on cryptocurrency. And it does feel like they do kind of want to push it down in terms of its acceptance and its popularity, whether that's true or not, you know, speculation, but yeah. I guess just for the sake of playing quickly devil's advocate, I think it's, uh, I guess, important to note that I guess this tax has always been a thing. It's always been a rule that you need to pay tax on the profit that you make from these if you're earning over a certain threshold. But just because now is the time that the government's able to get the data and actually make sure and police it, that you'll make, make sure you're paying the right amount, now's the time that people really need to be aware because if they were, were unaware before, the government didn't have the data, so they couldn't follow up on it anyway. But now's the time people just really need to make sure that they're not going to get burnt by it. And I guess that's a good thing from the media coverage that has come out of this, that people will hopefully double check and think, oh, I am selling stuff online or I do have crypto that I'm regularly trading or selling. And uh, it's good to keep up with it just in that regard uh, and to make sure as fewest people get a penalty just because they don't know about it as possible. Uh, but that, with that in mind, shall we uh, move on to one of your stories? Do we have any volunteers? I don't mind going next because I never go second. So I, I will go next. So my story today is about how only 13% of startups seek loans from banks, with the majority relying on personal finances. So this new research has come from the UK Startup Awards, and they have found that bootstrapping uh, in their words, has become the most common way of funding a new endeavour, with 85% of startups in the last three years relying on personal capital in order to kickstart their business, with only 13% of respondents saying that they took out a loan at the bank. And I thought this was an interesting article because, to me, it was kind of like, uh, well, yeah, I, I feel like that's something that we all kind of already knew. Like, if you want to start your own business, a lot of the time, 
you are relying on your own money and it is an expensive endeavor and I think we see that you know time and time again in a lot of different stories in terms of like people putting their own capital to start their business or like borrowing money from like friends or like family members in order to start their business very rarely going through to the bank or any other sort of like traditional financial lending scheme Um, and so I thought this was a really interesting research study to have a look at and actually support from friends and family is a 20 percent um where 20 percent of respondents said how they got their their finances so I think it's a really interesting study and one that I think definitely seems like with all the kind of fintechs that are out there now and all the sort of alternative um options that you have for financing it's quite I guess odd is maybe the wrong word but odd that people are still not kind of turning to them and I wonder I kind of want to talk about with you guys in terms of like why you thought that would be like is it because of you know people don't know that the help is there with the banks or they kind of they don't think that they'll get accepted by a bank so they just don't bother trying and I guess it's a very interesting thing to try and think about when it turns to funding because I think a lot of people forget how expensive starting a business is um, and trying to start a new company especially like if you are a startup probably in the fintech world where you're going to require a lot of like tech development and software development to like get whatever your app or your like platform or whatever it is that you're trying to make off the ground which is like a lot of work and a lot of money before you can even start like making money and getting money coming in so I thought that was just a really interesting thing to talk about and I guess as well when it comes to like the rise of like challenger banks and things like that you'd think a lot more people will be turning to those places as well in order to get help and there's a lot of um funds and like different loan schemes out there that I know I've seen um so you'd think that there would be a bit more take up of that but I mean like what do you guys think is this something that's just a bit of a gap in the finance market that people aren't necessarily being catered for or is it a case that the help is there but for whatever reason our startup founders just aren't going to look for it uh Francis what do you think yeah, as you were talking about it, I really, I think it's the latter, to be honest. I feel like the help is there. People just aren't going for it for some reason. And I think that, especially like you mentioned, with the emergence of challenger banks and new avenues of, of finance, you'd expect more people to, to really try and take advantage of that. But in a weird way, I think there's more security relying on your own personal funds and the funds of friends and family, because there isn't this looming feeling of oh i owe a financial institution money and that money is going to be paid back one way or another and if the business doesn't work then you find yourself in a very sticky situation so i think maybe perhaps that's one reason for it i mean again that's complete speculation that's just as you were talking what sort of crossed my mind but i think some interesting stats from the article are that although traditional banks have served businesses for decades Startups are, in fact, accessing finance through challengers, with 67% having accounts with challenger banks or new fintech firms. And in fact, Starling Bank is the most favoured banking partner for UK startups. And I just thought it was quite interesting that, so that sort of, well, for me, I should say that probably didn't make much sense. But that, to me, shows that people are now going to these new avenues of financing, but perhaps just not enough of them are really ready to gamble perhaps their futures i think that's really what i think again that's that's just my opinion it's not saying that's the the case by any means but yeah i think that's where where i sort of feel on or how i feel about this article at least 
I think it's interesting you said about like the gambling their futures because I I agree with you. I think obviously like having a loan, a big loan from a bank, someone's got to pay it back at some point. You're probably going to have interest on it. That can be quite a scary thing. But borrowing money from like friends and family or like using your own savings, I feel like that's that's got to be worse, surely, like putting your own savings up against your business to like start it. And then if it does fail, you just don't have any savings anymore. That to me seems a lot scarier. But then I guess both situations are I'm not great. I feel like it's just interest. It's interest, which I think is the big thing with going to a financial institution, is that you'll then have to pay something back on top of what you've already taken. So you could end up owing way more. And then I don't know. I do see where you're coming from, though. And I do agree that you could just be left with nothing if, if you're using your own funds and those are friends and family. I guess it's a scenario where, like, all the situations are rubbish unless you manage to get like an amazing like loan that was interest-free and that you didn't have to like I don't know like interest-free like four years free credit like when you buy sofas or whatever Uh, but Tom what do you think what what's your thought on this I think uh yeah you made interesting points especially I I feel like I can see sort of for and against for for both sides in terms of getting money from banks or, or friends and family I'm sure there are some people who can't imagine anything worse than owing money to their mother-in-law that they can't pay back uh, or something like that but I feel like access to finance we see countless studies coming through you know from the UK that sort of say access to finance is has definitely reduced especially since COVID and then since then as that's been reducing the interest rates have been ramping up which has made these finance and options less attractive so I can see why less people would be going to them um, but also like the incumbent banks haven't really had the same risk appetite since covid and they're starting to offer less financial or financing products meaning that there are less loans and financing options for people to actually start their business so i think i agree with with francis though that it's good that people are starting to embrace the new offerings coming from challenger banks but maybe while incumbents aren't offering as much and the challenger banks are starting to fill that gap is there are definitely eight demographics that wouldn't trust to get a loan from, say, a Stalin bank, whereas they would from a, you know, a Barclays or a NatWest. So I, I think maybe that's part of the issue, that people just aren't as as trustful of, or oh, I might be get, getting a bit of trouble with financing for whatever reason if I'm with something I've heard of for less time, basically, and hasn't built up the same level of trust. So I think it's uh, it's quite clear to see like, if people have the money and they have the savings, why they would turn to that first. Uh, and that's why so many people are doing like turning to that when they're creating startups but really it's just a, a difficult time for startups to to exist you know a really the like, last few years have been really difficult for startups and i'd be uh, interested to see how the number of people actually starting up new ventures ha- has been affected regardless of how the, the finance and options that are available so yeah i think it's an interesting space and it'll be uh good to see if more and more challenger banks can get greater number of people getting taking the finance and options from them and then in turn maybe create more finance and options in the future which could be good for the, the startup space in the UK yeah absolutely I think you've hit the nail on the head there is that it's just difficult for everyone right now I know I know there's a stat which I can't remember right now of like a certain percentage of startups are just doomed to fail regardless like I, I think it's quite a high percentage and I guess that has some effect into it I wonder if that has gotten bigger with the economic issues but also it just occurred to me obviously as well as like a gender gap between sort of female founders and male founders 
and how there is a funding cap between genders whether if you're a female if you're a female founder you are it is more difficult for you to get funding so I guess I wonder if that plays into it as well with women having to dip into their own savings um, but it's a very interesting thing I guess to look at and to follow along uh, but Francis moving on to you last but not least what's your article yeah thanks guys so I, I'm I brought forward an article about a collaboration between Paymob and Tamara in the Middle East and North Africa to accelerate BMPL and create a new payments gateway ecosystem for for merchants and to help customer experiences when it comes to payments. But I really wanted to talk to you guys really about BMPL a bit more generally. At the start of the year, we had some stats come through, which sort of suggested that Buy Now, Pay Later really does remain a, a Wild West, I believe it was called, an Wild West unregulated market. There you go as users continue to be unaware of risks. And I really wanted to sort of talk about the evolution of buy now, pay later. And if we, if it is still a bit of like a pipeline dream in the sense of credit without, you know, history and being able to pay without interest over time, it's just things like that, that previously seemed too good to be true. And I, I know this buy now, pay later has been an established thing for a long time, but I really wanted to sort of, well, first, I'll, actually, before I get onto that, I'll talk about the collaboration. So PayMob, the financial services enabler in the Middle East and North Africa region, has joined forces with Tamara, the shopping and payments platform in the GCC region, to integrate the Tamara Buy Now, Pay Later service with the secure PayMob gateway to power payments by enabling customers to split their payments in four without any hidden fees or interest. So the agreement between the two company or fintech creates a payments ecosystem that enables merchants to offer more comprehensive solutions and seamless customer experiences and while if you look at that at for at base value that seems great it's more experiences more freedom of choice in payments which is always fantastic we always talk about how great that is it does make me think as these more or sorry as more of these collaborations are made and as more integrations take place to include the the payment method does more financial education really need to take place surrounding it? Especially, like I said, when you take into account how many young people are still making mistakes with BNPL who aren't aware of the payments that uh, that they needed to have made and, and so on. So, yeah, Tom, I'll go to you first. What are your thoughts on Buy Now, Pay Later in 2024, really? Is this is the is the collaboration indicative of what we're more likely to see, or is the are the stats sort of suggesting that it's still a wild west, sort of closer to reality in your opinion? I feel like towards the back end of twenty twenty three, sort of September, October, November onwards, it, we did kind of get a lot of BMPL related news about there's sort of more of a clamp down on the regulation that specifically in the UK that you know the FCA was look, taking a much deeper look into the offerings that, that BMPL firms um, were offering, basically. And I, one thing that's always stuck in my mind since it happened in, I think, it was sort of, again, the back end of last year, was how Klarna was trying to take a step away almost from being like the BMPL to just being a sort of shopping assistant, AI-powered assistant, offering a lot of different services in that kind of space, but wasn't necessarily just the BMPL firm. And I think that's kind of indicative on, you know, almost recognizing that it's not necessarily the most stable space and it might not exist in its current form 
forever. So I, I always kind of got the impression, perhaps this is wrong, but they were trying to branch out away from BMPL because they thought it was not necessarily a space where long term they could operate. Um, and if anyone would know, you'd think it would be Klarna. So I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how it develops. I, I'm not sure, honestly, where, where it could go. I, what I personally think is just we're going to see much harsher and stricter regulation in the space, especially as we go through 2024. Um, and maybe stricter, not, I don't want to say punishment, maybe penalties for firms that don't necessarily follow the rules as you know, in the way that they should be and, and the way they've operated in the last year. So I think it'll be an interesting time for the, the space to evolve. And I, I think we might see a reduction in the amount of BMPL firms and offerings available, um, but it, we'll just have to wait and see. No, absolutely. I think this is definitely a wait and see market as frustrating as that can be to always sort of be like, ah, oh, well, you know, we're not going to be able to see anything for a while. It's going to take take some time. I definitely think this is this is the case with BNPL. Polly, what are your thoughts? You know, I was watching the Martin Lewis telly show the other day and he, they, there was a very relevant segment where he was interviewing the Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, about crypto... This is the kind of thing that I watch. Not crypto regulation, sorry. Uh, buy now, pay later. I'm making myself sound like so freaking cool watching Martin Lewis. Um, but essentially, they were talking about uh, regulation of buy now, pay later, and how Martin Lewis was saying how uh, we seem to have all these plans for regulation, like you were saying, Francis, and then they've kind of gone quiet, and no one's kind of, you know, said anything about it. Um, and apparently, the the Chancellor said that the uh, regulation is still happening, but they want to be careful not to be too heavy-handed with the new rules, as it is a lifeline for people during the cost of living crisis, which then uh, Martin Lewis clapped back up. This is why we need to regulate it now. So I thought that was very interesting and I wanted to bring that up. And I completely agree. It's one of those weird things that isn't going to go away. And it's kind of the buzz has died down a little bit. And I think it's very interesting what you were saying, Tom, about Klarna and how they did definitely try and move away from being the buy now, pay later um, company, even though they are still very much like the buy now, pay later company. Um, and it was very interesting to see the sort of advertising and treatment of Buy Now Pay Later around Christmas, because uh, I, I got a lot of ads on like TikTok and social media and other things like that, like from certain Buy Now Pay Later companies going ham on being like, oh, yeah, well, you can like afford Christmas because you could use Buy Now Pay Later. And that was quite, uh, it didn't sit well with me. I didn't like that very much. Um, so it's a really interesting space and I think you know like you say like oh we can only watch and see and hopefully that regulation does come around but I think it does need to happen I know a lot of the time when you say regulation people start getting a bit like oh, no because it's obviously a challenge that you have to deal with and when you're a, a scrappy little fintech sometimes you know you, you want less challenges rather than more challenges but I think every time I've spoken to like fintechs about regulation and every time I've spoken to sort of like buy now pay later companies about regulation they they always are saying how much they want it and how they would like to embrace it because then it makes them feel a lot more legitimate I guess to a lot of people so I think it's something that needs to happen and hopefully something that will happen sooner rather than later I guess this is a very like UK view of things whether there'll be a worldwide regulation I don't know but it's one of those things it's by no period it isn't going away and I think 
it's I think it's not going to be that bad I think a lot of time people maybe worry I say people it's a very generalization but people maybe worry that buy now pay later is going to be the next payday loan because obviously that kind of came and and went with sort of the sort of sticky economic situation that we had god whatever that was like 10 or so years ago Um, and now you don't really see payday loans much anymore because they were not great and very predatory blah 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 um, so I think a lot of people worry that buy now pay later is, is just a, an evolution of that. At least that's something I've kind of heard little mutterings about. And I don't think we're going to get to that situation, but it is something that we do need to be careful of. And I think the sooner that there can be some regulation, the better. I don't. I there's no downside to it. I don't think there's no there's no way that it could be worse by having things regulated and having some oversight in order to make sure that people are like using it in the best way possible because at the end of the day it's not like an evil thing like buy now pay later isn't a bad thing it's just like with any financial product you just have to use it wisely if you use it wisely then actually it's really good and you can get a lot of a lot out of it and it's a really great thing for you to use but you just have to make sure you use it wisely yeah Polly, i I completely agree i think it regulation goes hand in hand with with user awareness and that's why I think financial education, as I sort of touched on earlier, is going to be so important for BNPL, even though it's been about for a long time. I think it those two things complement each other so well and will really do a, a lot to protect consumers in the future. So, yeah, I think kind of like you guys said, BNPL is definitely here to stay. And it'll just be interesting to see what sort of iteration we get of it as as the year goes on amazing well thank you guys so much uh, for bringing your articles to the table today uh, what an exciting episode to kick off 2024 with uh, but if you want to hear any more about anything we've spoken about today or anything else from the fintech world head on over to the fintechtimes.com where we have plenty more news and insights over there and let's move on to the very first what i learned this week of 2024 how exciting what i learned in 2024 so far um so each week we learn so much new information with all the different news and insights across our desks, being on the editorial team, that we thought it'd be fun to share that with our listeners. So, Francis, what have you learned this week? This week, I have learned that Chase Bank, Tridos Bank and Starling Bank have emerged as the most highly rated banks for treating customers fairly in 2023, according to smart money people. Just think it's quite interesting. You know, we were talking about challenger banks and how they're emerging. And, well, they're the fairest UK banks. Awesome. Tom, what are you learn this week? This week, I learnt that 55% of financial organisations in the UK and Ireland have prioritised cybersecurity above all else for the coming year. And I learnt that although may people tend to look to better their health and lifestyle when it comes to New Year's resolutions, Lockbox found that 84% of its members are looking to establish new financial goals this year, with financial health becoming a bigger priority, which I thought was a nice one. Uh, but amazing well thank you guys so much again for joining me on the podcast it's been a pleasure to speak to you about fintech as per usual and let's have another fantastic year of uh, fintech chatting so i'll catch you on the next one can't wait see you guys next week see you guys then thanks for listening to the fintech times news and views podcast don't miss next week's episode and continue the conversation using hashtag tft news and views and follow us at the fintech times